Gateway Church and welcome to our gathering this morning. As you can see, uh, we're live streaming from our church, so we're really, really hopeful that everything is reaching you just fine. People who are far more intelligent than me about these things are making it just so. Um, for those of you in the, the live streaming environment, it's going to run just as normal from your end, so please uh, do make use of the, the chat function. You can request prayer. There are hosts there for you, and the meeting notes are available for you as well. Do download uh, the resource sheet there and you can engage with our gathering as we go along. A few things to let you know. Make sure if you've not yet uh, that we've got your details via the connection card. We'd love to get some great free resources to you. Um, if you're finding there's any issues at all with the live stream this morning, then you might want to just refresh the page and no doubt you'll dive uh, right back in. For those of you who are part of the church, you'll know um, that we are preparing next Sunday to be welcoming those of you who are ready and it's appropriate for you to be back in our building. We're going to be getting lots more information out to you this week, but the, the thing that's really important for me to say this morning is make sure that you've registered. Uh, the, the link that you need, again, it's there in the meeting notes. I know many of you have been registering already, but make sure that you've registered and then will be able to help you to have a safe and appropriate and encouraging, exciting experience next Sunday. To remind you as well that we're going to be continuing to live stream, and that is our choice and our plan going forward from here every single week. So we want to encourage and, and enthuse as many of us as possible as to what it means to be Gateway Church today and what it means to, to speak that goodness and that grace of Jesus into our world today and tomorrow. Well, good morning. Isn't it good to be able to declare that we raise a hallelujah, that we have victory in Jesus. Well, this morning we're talking about building our life on the rock. And of course, summer is nearly over. Hopefully you've received and you've enjoyed going to the beach and maybe playing in the sand and just seeing the glorious wonder of what God's creation is all about. But of course, this week it's been a little bit different, hasn't it? We've had Storm Francis I don't know if you were like me. I was actually out walking in the Lake District in the middle of the storm. I had layers upon layers upon layers on, and it still went through in, down into my skin. It was that wet. And of course, in life, we see, don't we, that storms are thrown at us. And today we're thinking about the parable of the two builders, the wise and the foolishman, and how Jesus shared with us. And we've got a little bit of an example here. I went down to the beach yesterday and I grabbed some sand from there, from one of our buckets, as we see. And of course, we love building, don't we, sandcastles. I'm sure if you built a sandcastle recently and you went down the next day, it disappeared. But we're going to attempt building a sandcastle this morning. So here we go. It stayed there for now. And of course, as we build a sandcastle, we like to see how big it goes, don't we? So we're going to kind of try and build a house upon the sandcastle. I'm not sure how this is going to last, but here we go. And of course, as we see the sandcastle there, but we're thrown, aren't we? Different storms of life, different things, whether it's our jobs, whether it's going back to school next week, whether it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, you might be feeling a little bit apprehensive about that. But it's good to know that God is with us. And as we think about the wise and the foolish builder, 
Jesus talks about building the house upon the rock. Here we have another word of God, building on the solid rock. As we talked about storms, we have the wind coming, we have the rain. And as the rain comes down, of course, what is going to happen with our sandcastle? It totally collapses and it hasn't got a firm foundation. But when we do that with the word of God and maybe the storm comes in life, We see that it stands firm, doesn't it? No matter what is thrown at us, we need to remember that God is always with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And as we read the word of God, let me just read from Matthew seven twenty four. This is what it says. And this is from the message version. It says, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard living. They are foundational words, words to build your life on. If, if you work these words into your life, you are a life, you are like a who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. And I want to encourage you this morning, As we come around the word of God, and as Pastor Greg brings it in a few minutes, think about, is your life on the rock? Or do you have a sandcastle which is going to collapse? It's important that we trust in our Lord Jesus Christ, that we obey and we trust in him, that our word and our life is built upon his life. Karen wanted me to know that when she poured water on, on, wanted you to know that when she poured water on on the Bibles, um, they were wrapped in cellophane. Just want to point that out. We are not here defacing Bibles. Um, Lockdown has not entirely changed our respect for the Word of God. I just wanted to point that out. Um, But yeah, if if you've had a summer like me, you will have experienced countless, countless instances of building things out of sand. Absolutely, of course, the best thing that you can do with sand is entirely bury your children um, in the sand. That's obviously the best thing that you can do, isn't it? Uh, Clearly, I've not done it quite right, though. Um, They managed to get home um, from our holidays uh, with us. So, we'll, we, you know, we'll try again. Um, but that's what we're talking about this morning. We're talking about what it is to build our lives, to build the house of our lives. And I love that in the message version. We're not talking about home improvements. How, how have your lockdown projects been going? You've been doing some home improvements? Well, good for you. Um, the rest of us, were not at all jealous of your skills. But it's not about home improvements. Actually, what we're talking about is about the very foundational things of life. And you know, this is such a good season to be talking about these things. With the total reset to life, to living, to our ways of doing and being who we are. And not uh, just in, in an everyday sense, but in, in a God-infused sense, to be disciples. Then, then this is what we're, we're really talking about, and we're talking about it right now. I had, um, I read on, on Facebook recently kind of something of a, of a modern day um, parable and I wanted to share that with you at the outset of our gathering this morning. You see, in San Francisco, there's this huge building, gleaming and shining it is there in the San Franciscan sunlight, 645 feet tall and it's called the Millennium Tower. It was the tallest residential building west of the Mississippi when it was built 
and it, it won endless awards. I checked out the awards. Most of them were for the ability to pour concrete. I, do you want that award? I don't know. Maybe you do. Um, it was built with reinforced concrete, and it's all glass and gleaming. Cost 550 million US dollars. I can't imagine anybody's lockdown projects have quite gone to that length yet, have they? Probably not. Um, 58 floors of luxury apartments, or as they call them, grand residences. Uh, because if you're paying a few million, you don't want to live in a flat, do you, apparently? Um, one little problem with this building, it's sinking. It's literally sinking into the sand that they built it on. That's the problem. Since they built it, 18 inches it's sunk, and it's leaning over. It's kind of a modern-day leaning tower of Pisa. And I said already, the problem is they built it on sand, which apparently you can do, um, you know, I'm told. But they didn't put the foundations down deep enough. They trusted that what they put in would do it. It's a pretty strange story, isn't it? Because truth be told, it's a pretty obvious story. It's the kind of story that we grow up with as kids, isn't it? You know about three little pigs, don't you? And how it was that, yeah, we know, you can't build your house out of straw, you can't build it out of twigs, because even a wheezy old wolf will knock that bad boy down. It's a pretty basic, fundamental story of our growing up and understanding, but why then do such obvious basic points seem to escape us? Why didn't Pisa provide enough learning for those San Franciscan builders? Why, more tragically, did it take something like a Grenfell Tower for the shoddy cost-cutting construction methods of modern-day building to be exposed? And let's make this personal, shall we? Why do so many of us seek to build our lives out of straw or sticks, build them on sand? To push maybe a Bible story comparison, you know, there's, there's no Pharaoh in our lives forcing us at punishment to make bricks without straw, just blobs of meaningless clay. Yet we do so anyway. We take away so much of the substance of our lives. We do a, a quick, seemingly fine job and try to build something out of formless fluff. Well, here's some good news. Jesus knows you, and he knows me, and he knows what we're like, which is really, really good news. There's no need to be afraid here. There's no shame about this. But he knows the facts of the matter. He knows the shape. He knows the tendencies of our hearts. And so he addresses exactly that. And that's what we're going to be thinking about through this morning. We have an opportunity right here, right now, to think. And to think and to even invest in how we build our lives. To build our lives again from the ruins of so much of current circumstance. To build our church again from so many of the, the difficulties that we face at the moment. Do you know what? If we take this seriously, we have the opportunity to build society again in a new way according to God's plan for human flourishing. I was really intrigued recently to read about um, in, in the Netherlands, the Dutch government, they're planning how they might rebuild their economy and they're using something called the donut model. Does anybody like economies that have donuts right at the heart of them? I, I like anything that's got donuts right in, uh, I was going to say right in the middle, but there's nothing in the middle of a donut, is there? Anyhow, um, the idea is the middle bit of the donut 
You think about that as the bare minimum, that inside edge. But then they said, well, why not have an outside edge? So that actually it's not just about getting more and doing more and always consuming more, but we make sure that nobody falls down not having enough. But we also say, well, there comes a point when enough is enough. It's pretty intriguing, isn't it? Thinking about how we remake society. What does Jesus give us as a foundation for this? You've heard the words. Let me share them again briefly. Matthew 7 Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it didn't fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came. And the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. It's about hearing, and it's about doing. It's not just enough to hear these words, even to hear these words of mine, as I echo the words of Jesus that he's spoken to you. It's about hearing and doing, living according to his words, doing what you hear, what you're told. Anybody else find it tricky to do as you're told? Anybody? I mean, sometimes hearing is tricky as well, isn't it? We had a bit of a day like that at my house yesterday. We seemed like we spent quite a lot of the day, or at least I did, saying things um, and, and, you know, being ignored. I'm not talking about Erin. I'm talking about the kids here. Um, And, you know, I I tell the kids, I say, take these toys back to the living room because they're scattered around the house. And I pick up the toys to give to them and they just walk past me like I'm a bit of wallpaper. And I I find myself following them to the living room. It's only when I get there that they finally realize that I've been talking to them. And that, oh yeah, I'll take those toys, Dad. And, you know, my laddie gets so engrossed in Paw Patrol, who wouldn't? clearly the best show on TV Um, but he's so in there that I have to pause the telly or at least do some sort of dance in front of the telly to catch his attention I I don't know whether other parents have this kind of experience Um, look here's what really works here's when they listen when they're reminded of who I am how I love them how I'm there for them and, and, and that I am who they need most especially perhaps when they're in pain or in need themselves. Then they listen, mostly. Then they do what they need to do, even if it's just simply diving into my arms for a big hug. So here's where we're beginning as we come back into worshiping together. Psalm 18. I want to remind you this morning of who your God is, who this rock is, and who he is to you. Here's some selections for you from the psalm. Reflect on them. And remind your soul who you need to be listening to, who you really need. The psalm goes like this. I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield. And the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Then the earth reeled and rocked. The foundations also of the mountains trembled and quaked because he was angry. For who is God but the Lord? And who is a rock except our God? The Lord lives. And blessed be my rock. And exalted be the God of my salvation. Christ alone, our cornerstone. That's our prayer this morning. A weak would be made strong in the Saviour's love. Thank you, Jesus.
praise you, God. We worship you. I would encourage you, everything through uh, what we're saying, what we're, we're singing, all the ways that we're praising and engaging with God, do you know him as yours, as your Lord, as your Savior, as the cornerstone, the foundation of your life? This is not for others. This is for you. And that is our heart's desire that each and every one of us would know this reality, know this truth. So we're building our lives upon God, our rock, one who we, we want to listen to, and not only listen to, but, but do according to what he says to us. That's our heart's desire. But look, here's the rub. I don't know whether you've had much to do with rocks recently, um, but they're quite rough and tough and hard and unyielding and uncompromising. They just are, aren't they? You know, there we were at, at the beach and... Um, uh, and, you know, we've been building our sandcastles and all this kind of stuff. But kids being kids, it's not that long before they, they're, they're kind of finished with the, the sand, that kind of soft stuff. They want to go clamber onto rocks. And um, my, my wife is a far more daring parent than me. So uh, basically, she's in charge of that. And I look the other way so I don't fret and start, like, grabbing them and scooping them up and packing them into some cotton wool or something like that. Rocks, my goodness. You know, one false move, it seems, sometimes. But a rock, you know, it, it is what it is. It makes no apologies for being what it is. It's uncompromising in its integrity and, and so is God. So is our God. And look, it's easy then, should we permit ourselves for us to take offense or to, to say, wouldn't it be nice if it was a bit softer, a bit more yielding, a bit more kind of tailored towards my comfort? God isn't soft, but he is good. Look, this is human nature to think this way, to feel this way, to want to live this way. Look, if we can choose between what we really need, but maybe tough, and what is way easier, but will probably do us no good, well, look, you know how this can go. Sometimes in our better moments, we choose to kind of discipline ourselves, but truth be told, you know, we need Jesus. First Peter 2 it has this for us. It says, look, it stands in Scripture. Here's the word of God. Behold, God the Father says, I'm laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Believes in him. This is your indication. This isn't any kind of ordinary stone. This is Jesus, the cornerstone. The, the words continue. So the honor is for you who believe. But for those who don't believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word. Look, it's one thing to not hear the word. That's a kind of a disobedience. But then to hear the word and then to say, but that's too tough. That kind of disobedience. I tell you, the word's not going to go away. Jesus, the rock, he's not going to go away. But you will find yourself stumbling. You will find yourself building the kind of life that leaves you sprawling on the floor and wondering what on earth happened. The cornerstone is, of course, Jesus. And he is chosen, chosen by God, your Father, for your salvation. He's perfect. He's precious, the Bible tells us, beyond understanding and believing in Jesus. What did the word tell us? It means that you get to live with honor before God and not shame, now and forever. But many still do reject him 
Many are still offended by him. Many still stumble in disobedience in the context of us all having the same rock, yet not all of us respond in the same way. Not all of us are pleasing to God. Why? Well, maybe there's something in this. Isaiah 53, looking ahead to this rock, to Jesus coming into our world, it tells us that he had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. Truth is, Jesus, the rock that you and I always need, doesn't always look like what we think we need. We're looking for quick fixes. We're looking for shiny solutions. We're looking for 10 ways to do this or five ways to get that. Or and the rock doesn't always look like that. We get captivated all too often by what our broken hearts tell us we need when what we really need is the solid, unchanging one who has always loved us and always will. In 1 Corinthians 10, we read of a time that God provided water from a rock. This is pretty crazy stuff. But his people, traveling out of slavery toward a land of promise, they found themselves in the wilderness. They needed water. They were grumbling. They were desperate. They weren't very nice to be around, frankly. And yet God provided water from a rock. And the Bible tells us all drank. But the Bible says there's a whole other dynamic happening here. All drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Look, very naturally, they all got to drink and to be saved from thirst, saved from death in the desert, every one of them. But the Bible makes the point that we can all drink from the grace of God and be saved eternally. And yet, even though they all drank that natural water, they weren't all happy about the rock that they drank from. Diving right into the story in Exodus 17, we hear Moses, their leader, crying out to God, what shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. Isn't there some terrible irony in this? There's Moses, and he's the person who's going to introduce them to the rock from which their salvation will come. And so they see this rock, they see this salvation. Their first instinct is to pick up little rocks and chucked them a Moses. How ridiculous is human nature? Come on, will you build upon the rock of your salvation or will you stone the messenger who tells you of your need, of your brokenness? You know, we heard from Jesus earlier that we are wise if we hear what he says and do it. And look, here's the first thing that we need to hear from God and the first thing that we need to do Here's the Bible word for it, repent. Change your mind, change your heart, change your direction, change your pattern of living. Repent for the fact that we've been playing at being his disciples way too much of the time. Repent for the reality that we say Jesus is Lord, but the evidence isn't nearly so obvious as it ought to be. Repent for the fact that the, the lordship of Jesus isn't something that's necessarily been increasing in our lives and in our streets and in our schools and in our places of work. Repent because we've been living our lives to build ever more elaborate structures, our own millennium towers, pleasing ourselves, impressing others, maybe, but they're built on sand. 
Again, going back to what Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 7, he teaches us that godly sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. We live in a world that's full of grief. It's full of grief because of everything that seems to have been stolen out of our grasp, everything that we seem to have lost, and and some have lost most devastatingly over this season. There's grief because of the pandemic. There's grief because of racial hate. There's grief because of so many other injustices. Grief because of climate fears. Grief because of personal circumstances as well as global. Yet all this worldly grief produces is more death. Today we have an invitation to choose a better way. We want to turn again to God, to turn to the rock, to listen to him, and to do what he says. Let's make a choice this morning, shall we? We want to engage with the worldly grief that just produces more death. Or would we rather allow God to do a work in our lives that turns us again to him, leads us to repentance, salvation, regret, that's yesterday's news, God's promise for today and for tomorrow. Ask the Spirit of God to lead you now. We say to God, what is it that you're saying to me, to my life, my circumstances, my choices, my manner of living, my manner of following you? What is it you're saying to me, God? What do you want me to do about it? Spirit, lead us. Lead us, please, God. We're asking God to to lead us in ways that he has revealed and he wants to make concrete, concrete like the very best kind of foundations in your life, in my life, in our church, into our world. Good foundations. How then do we build upon good foundations? You know, in Psalm 11 and verse 3, uh, the scripture says, when the foundations are being destroyed, what can the righteous do? That's a circumstance that we're perhaps living through in so many different ways, isn't it? Just the manners of the ordinary things of life have been destroyed, or if not destroyed, totally turned upside down. Come on. This is not a counsel of despair here. It's a genuine question. If you and I are righteous in Christ, then what can we do? Well, build on the rock, we know. But build what? Earlier on, we were in Psalm 18, and I'm just going to return there for a few more verses. We're going to pull out some things that God wants to build in our lives and to build with us. Did you know that God describes you and me as co-laborers? You know, he might be the skilled bricky, but you and I can certainly bring some materials on our shoulder, can't we? Let's labor with God. What does the Bible say in Psalm 18? The Bible says, the God who equipped me, reading from verse 32, the God who equipped me with strength and made my way blameless, he made my feet like the feet of a deer and set me secure on the heights. He trains my hands for war, bow of bronze. You have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your gentleness made me great. You gave me a wide place for my steps under me and my feet did not slip. Let's just pull a few things out of those verses. You'll see primarily it's God who is working these things 
into us. The Bible says that our role in this is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. We don't have to work on it. It's perfect. We don't have to work it into us. It's only God who can give us this standing and this status before him. But he invites us to work it out into every part of our body and being and every bit of our doing. What things do we find here? Well, it's God. What does the Bible say? He makes our way blameless. And this is where we begin. Look, here's the very first thing that God wants to do in your life, and we need to be welcoming in our lives. Are you washed clean by him? Are you made new? Has all of the stain and the shame of your sin been dealt with by Jesus Christ? Have you accepted, received, welcomed his forgiveness? Have you been made new? This is fundamental, and this is what God wants to build upon. Look, there's nothing without this as its basic. But then God begins to do incredible things in our lives, and I want to pick up these words next, that God wants to train our hands for war. Now, it might seem really, really nice with God kind of washing us clean, with God setting us steady, with God kind of granting us strength. But when that strength starts to be talked about in biblical terms as for the battle, I don't know about you, maybe some of you, you're thinking, oh, I'm not entirely sure about this. Bending bows of bronze, am I up for that? The truth of the matter is, there is something, a large something, in fact, of our, Christians li- our Christian lives that is about struggle. You know, we are encouraged within our own lives, our own Christian lives, to struggle against sin, to actually fight it and to see it defeated in every part of our lives. Jesus has won that victory. How are you applying that victory? Not only that, but we're encouraged to fight. We're encouraged to fight upon the behalf of the poor and the marginalized and the oppressed and the needy, to fight against the the spiritual systems in our world that would seek to keep others down or keep them distant from God. There's a fight to be had. And you know, this is something of the building of our lives. What are we building in our lives? Are we building in a desire to always leg it from the front? Are we building into our lives a desire to take care of ourselves but not so much fight on behalf of others? Look, that's not the Bible way. God calls us to build the fight into our day to day. And as it continues, what what is described for us? This strange but beautiful contrast of the fight and of gentleness. Gentleness. Oh my goodness, yes. The kind of people who fight on behalf of the weak and the weary, but are so beautifully gentle themselves. Isn't that the kind of person that you want to be? That's the kind of person I want to be. When the Bible talks about gentleness, it's talking about a spiritual maturity and contentedness in God that means that we're not chippy. We're not fighting on our own behalf. We're not desperately scrabbling around to build a life for ourselves. No, we are in God and we're satisfied. And from that flows contentedness. Look, we're supposed to rejoice in the Lord and let our gentleness be made evident to all. That's the foundation for our praying, the Bible tells us in Philippians. What else? We're meant to to share the good news of life in Jesus Christ and do so with gentleness and respect. That's the foundation for our seeing other people come to know the goodness and grace of God. Gentleness in a world that really doesn't seem to prize it at all. God wants you to build a gentle life. And the Bible talks about our steps. Walking, that's what steps mean. You know, you're not supposed to be static or standing in one place with God. We build into our lives this sense of journey that we have come from darkness to light. And so we continue in that light. We continue to journey with God. We're going somewhere on the journey with God. When's the last time you went somewhere with Jesus? 
Come on, now is a season for building in that appetite, that desire, that promise and possibility of journeying with Jesus. Maybe you've not gone anywhere for a long time. Today is the day. And this journey with God is described as steady journeying, feet not slipping. It's something of faithfulness and of holiness. You know, so many Christians, they give up on the way God leads them. Their feet end up slipping. They end up going backwards. They end up just giving up. They end up saying, oh, whatever. Not us. Please, God, not us. Let's be building according to the power and the indwelling work of the Spirit. Lives that are faithful don't slip. Keep on. Go on with gentleness, fighting for those around us. Look, this is simple living, but it's counter to the culture living. It's Jesus living. And the truth is, that's why so many reject him or, or, or like him to begin with, but then give up somewhere along the way. Sometimes it's perhaps why you and me, why we're worried to live the Jesus way. We're concerned ourselves, perhaps, about being rejected. More concerned, perhaps, about the rejection of those around us than we are comforted by the faithful welcome of our loving God. God help us to be reset in our hearts. Just before... Jesus told that story in Matthew 7 about houses being built on sand and about being built on rock, about listening to him and doing what he said. He taught these words in Matthew 6. He said, look, here's what I'm telling you. Don't worry. Don't be anxious about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? Pastor Greg saying this. You know, every time I read these words, uh, there's a moment when I'm like, is it? No, it is. Let's continue. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Are these words, we hear them, we can hear their wisdom. Do they really foundationally start to build our life? Look, I want to quote a theologian, Peter Lightart. I'm going to quote him at length here. Don't be afraid by that word theologian. Truth is, you are all theologians. You all, uh, you all understand your world and live your lives according to what you believe about God. That's all that it means. Here's what he says. It's really practical. Run with me on this. What Jesus says here is not wisdom from most perspectives. Jesus says, don't be anxious. He says, think about birds. Look at the grass. No wonder so many have read the gospel as the story of a first century flower child or an ancient hippie. He seems to be telling us to get out of the rat race and spend our time chasing butterflies. And he does seem to be doing a bit of that. His instructions depend on the fact that a new world has erupted in the midst of the old. A new kingdom and a new king are being heralded in the midst of the corruptions of worldly kingdoms. A new city in the midst of old cities. The old city is a city of anxiety. For Jesus, anxiety is not just a feeling or emotion that we privately experience. Look, it is that, but it is also the organizing principle of our world. A structure and a regime, a master and a power. Anxiety is the ether of the world outside the kingdom of God. Anxiety keeps shops open 24-7. Anxiety keeps motorways busy until the wee small hours of the morning. Anxiety keeps people working late at the office. Anxiety is what builds the skyscrapers. Anxiety is what drives consumer spending. Anxiety is driven 
by a very simple insight. The insight that we are limited to the way of the world. But Jesus invites us into a new world. And the kingdom, which is God's future world, arriving in the present, is not driven by anxiety, but by trust. Because within this kingdom, we know that the future is secure. We know that God has everything under control. We know that God is our heavenly Father who will care for us. Jesus' wisdom is wisdom, but only if that is true. How have you been living your life? When you think about it, when you listen to Jesus, how do you want to live your life? If this season can teach us anything, please let it be that our building on sand and so much of anxiety is, look, even if you're trying to build a skyscraper on sand, it doesn't matter, it's still sand at the bottom. It's driven by inadequacy, it's driven by fear, it's driven by anxiety. And that's not the way God wants you to live. Not ever, certainly not now, certainly not tomorrow. Don't go on from here and build the same things in the same way. We'll end up with the same anxieties, the same broken world. We must be born again from coronavirus. We must be built upon the rough, precious rock of our salvation. And let Jesus make all the decisions as to the way our steps should go. Look, would you go ahead today and begin to tear down some of the things that you were building? Would you stop scrabbling about on the sand? As we come into close now with our last time of worship, look, would you start to listen to Jesus and do what he's telling you? Don't just hear his words and say that was nice. Truth is, it isn't nice. It's a revolution of the heart and it's a revolution of the world. And Jesus says, come on, hear and do. Start this week by talking these things through in your transformed community. If you're not part of one, well then stop building your life on sand and get to be part of one. Engage with others in Christian community because you can't do this on your own. And start to walk and journey into a better tomorrow with Jesus. This is what it means to be built upon the rock. Can I pray with you this morning? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for your bold, uncompromising, challenging, rough around the edges way of speaking to us. Lord Jesus Christ, we pray that even as your word to us is tough, our hearts would not be. Our hearts would be soft and movable. Our lives would be moldable and makeable according to your good grace and wisdom for them. Lord Jesus Christ, we ask that we would hear you. Hear you. Embrace what it is that you're saying to us. Lord Jesus, begin to build according to your wisdom and your ways. Look, we get this invitation to build better us. Who gets that offer? But you present it to us freely, Lord God, and you say, here I am, I want to work with you. I, I've got all the materials, everything you need. I want to build a better you. And Jesus, help us to have the good sense to say, yes, Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, make me new. Make my ways new. Make the world around me new, Lord Jesus Christ. I want to I live that way that, that the world around me is transformed by your grace and your goodness for your glory. Jesus, as we worship you, speak to us 
lead us as we go into the rest of this beautiful day would you lead us dear God as we move into the weeks ahead with all of the changes and new opportunities that they might grant to us God build us make us and make us to be the kind of church solid upon your rock going in your ways that really builds a better world around us in your name we pray amen amen God bless you this morning. It's been wonderful to be able to gather in this way. We're going to sing as we close out. Do make sure that you're connecting via our connection cards, that you're reading those meeting notes. Book in for next week if you want to be here in person. If that's not for you, that's okay. We'll be live streaming in just this exact same way. We hope that you've had a wonderful morning today. And we look forward to seeing you in the days and the weeks to come. God bless you.